the volume. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. All new episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix on the Volume Sports Podcast Network. A lot to get into today. Keith Idex, senior writer from BoxingScene.com. He joins me first. We talk about the situation with Rolando Romero. We talk about Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant. That's coming up Saturday. And what might the future look like for Canelo if he beats Caleb Plant? Could it be a third fight with Gennady Golovkin? A little bit later on, Caleb Plant himself, he joins the show and talks to me about why he's so confident he can pull off what would be one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. As always, best way to support this podcast, subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. All right, on to the show. All right, Keith Eideck is here, senior writer, BoxingScene.com, good friend of the podcast. He is on... A day six or seven in Las Vegas, and we'll be there through the weekend when we have another big event. Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant, the undisputed super middleweight championship. That fight can be seen on Showtime pay-per-view. How are you enjoying your uh, residency in Las Vegas, Keith? Well, uh, it doesn't pay as well as the uh, Carrie Underwood residency or some of the other ones I've seen posters for, but... uh, it's day eight, and I realize I'm the only one who's counting, but it's day eight of like 12 or 13, Chris. So, so I'm two-thirds of the way there. That's the way I'm looking at it, you know? Yeah, well, you're almost there. Almost there. Almost there. It's a good week to be out there because I you, there's always good yeah. buzz around Canelo Alvarez fights, and there's good buzz around this one. I want to talk about that, Caleb Plant's uh, narrow path to victory. Uh, I want to talk about Canelo's future if he wins. But first, Keith, you and I – over the weekend, we're kind of simultaneously reporting on a tough story involving Rolando Romero, a uh, lightweight contender who was scheduled to face Gervonta Davis in a 135-pound title fight. Romero has been officially removed from that fight by Showtime and by the PPC after allegations of sexual assault emerged Uh, From two years ago, these allegations freshly made over the last couple of weeks by a Las Vegas woman who went public uh, on social media. So let's start here. Um, Obviously, right decision by Showtime, by PBC to remove Rolando Romero. How do you think they kind of went about this? What was your reaction to how this whole process all unfolded? Yeah, Chris, I think they, they kind of had to do it because this was all unfolding in real time while this fight is only a month away, basically, I think maybe if they had a longer runway to kind of process all of this, they might've gone about this in a slightly different way. I'm not saying he would have remained in the fight, but they might've been a little more cautious about just 
immediately removing him basically, but they don't have time right now. And of course, when you're dealing with sexual assault with any company, that's going to be the case. It should be handled uh, very, very seriously. Uh, I'd also like to preface all this, Chris, and I know obviously you feel the same way, but Rolando Romero is certainly innocent until proven guilty um, and deserves due process like everyone else. But um, look, this is a tough position for uh, the people at Showtime to be in. And for anyone who doesn't know this at this point, I mean, BoxingScene.com is owned by Viacom CBS. I'm a Viacom CBS employee. So I'm well-versed in how seriously this company treats these types of situations and they should, Um, but they were simply not going to allow a guy who's under investigation for sexual assault to then in effect be glorified in a pay-per-view fight uh, four weeks from Sunday night. I'll say this also, Crystal, I understand the criticism that's coming back not only at Showtime, but at PBC and Mayweather promotions as it relates to Gervonta Davis, who also, has uh, two legal entanglements here, one related to an assault of, uh, I believe it's the a mother of one of his children, which was a very public thing a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, is on video. So I can see, uh, you know, the concern about allowing Gervonta Davis to move forward in these fights and, and not allowing Rolando Romero, although a sexual assault brings a different element to it as well. Um, but it's a, it's a tricky situation for all of these companies to be in and I think just in the short term, they did the right thing. If Rolando Romero was able to clear his name, Chris, um, he obviously can move forward with his career. We don't know what's going to happen here. We have to let the investigation play out. We have to let due process play out and see where they go from here. But I, I have a feeling maybe we haven't seen the last of Rolando M- Romero in a boxing ring, maybe on Showtime. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, may, maybe he's going to jail. Maybe he's not. We'll have to just let it see how it all plays out. Yeah. Showtime simply couldn't move forward with Romero involved in this event, particularly this event. As you pointed out, it was against a fighter that has been accused of assaulting a woman. It is being promoted by a fighter, an ex-fighter, who went to jail for assaulting a woman. This would have been the assault bowl, so to speak, of women. And that would have been justifiably the story all week long. So Showtime simply couldn't have gone ahead with it. I've just spent a lot of time, Keith, in the last few days, because I spoke to the victim. She seemed very credible to me. She seemed very passionate about moving forward with um, these charges. Um, I just have spent a lot of time thinking about how boxing views women. And I can't get around what seems to be a fact to me that boxing doesn't care what women think because there are no repercussions, really any repercussions for fighters who assault sexually or otherwise women like there just aren't. And this is not specific to one platform. You go back to Mayweather against Miguel Cotto. That fight was allowed to move forward even after Mayweather agreed to a plea bargain in that particular case. His jail sentence was pushed back till after he fought Miguel Cotto. That fight was on HBO pay-per-view. Um, you you look ahead to, what was it, two years ago now, Canelo versus Sergey Kovalev on DAZN. Kovalev was accused of assaulting a woman in California. That was rarely brought up during that promotion. It was by some people occasionally, but it wasn't a big part of that promotion. Now you have Gervonta Davis, who is one of the faces of Showtime Boxing. There is a video that you can easily find on the internet of Gervonta Davis gripping a woman around the neck and dragging her out of a basketball game. I I can't, I just, like, it, maybe it, it it's too simplistic. I don't think so, but some might say it is. But boxing has just sort of decided it can't monetize women. Like, it, they're not worried about the revenue that women might bring in. So, as long as the backlash isn't really strong from men, they'll keep putting these guys out there. I just, I just feel like, whether it's networks, states, promoters, there's got to be some kind of, some kind of, of, of way to handle situations like this. Some kind of policy for situations like this. Because 
there's been a reckoning in sports, not just over the last few years, because like, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Kobe Bryant being charged with rape in Colorado and him quite literally flying back and forth from practices to deal with his rape trial in Colorado. Kobe wasn't suspended for that. If that happened to a player in today's NBA, they would not be playing through it. No question about it. They would be sidelined, probably paid, because the NBA wouldn't take their money away, but they would be sidelined. You look in football. Deshaun Watson has not played a down for the Houston Texans, in part because he is accused civilly, not criminally yet, civilly of uh, various versions of indecency uh, towards women. So I I don't know what, what the solution is, Keith, but it just feels to me like as long as boxing can continue to make money on fighters that are accused of doing horrible things to women with limited backlash, they're going to keep putting these fighters out there. Chris, I think this is a microcosm of a broader problem in boxing in that there's no uniformity in the regulation, right? Because if there were, if there were a national boxing commission, you could have one authority that would just say, simply say, look, until a situation like Rolando Romero's is cleared up from a legal standpoint, he cannot fight. I don't know that that's necessarily fair from a legal standpoint either, because there have been cases, and I'm not saying that this is the case with Rolando Romero, but there are cases when people have been uh, unjustly accused of crimes and such, and then it could drag out for two or three years, and then you're losing two or three years of the prime of your career. That's not fair either. So I, 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 it's a delicate balance, of course. And I, and I Chris, I'm I'm with you. I, I think as a as a uh, society in the United States, we've we've finally um, done a better job since maybe 2017, 2018, when the Me Too movement started of uh, addressing problems, uh, uh, rapes, assaults of you know, women being horribly mistreated in, in various ways. I think there's been uh, positive movement in that sense uh, to better deal with these things. Boxing has lags behind as it does in many things, but I, I did, I'm not patting myself on the back here. I just want to bring this up because I wrote a column about this and there was a particular stretch early in 2019 when Adrian Broner and Marcus Brown fought on the same Showtime pay-per-view card. Uh, Two weeks later, Sergey Kovalev, who was under investigation for an assault of a woman, uh, was headlined an ESPN show. And, And I wrote a column about, you know, what this is a real problem for boxing, but what do you do if people have not been, um, convicted of crimes? They've been in, in the case of Kovalev, he was uh, alleged and then he wound up settling with the woman and it never moved forward to a trial. Um, so it's a, it's a slippery slope in some ways. Um, but I think maybe this is a sign here, the way Showtime went about this, uh, that maybe they're going to handle things differently. And look, I know a lot of the people at Showtime very well, Chris, and these are not, these are uh, like-minded people to us in terms of how women are treated and things mm-hmm. that this, this is being treated extremely seriously. Um, but to go back to what we discussed earlier, it is a valid point to bring up why is Gervonta Davis been allowed to fight multiple times uh, when he's under investigation. There is a difference of course, in that there's a sexual assault um, not justifying what he's done in his past, but uh, so there is a a difference there, but um, you could make the argument that, Hey, well, Gervonta Davis is the A side. He's the guy he's, he's the Mayweather promotions flagship fighter. So he's going to be the guy who generates income for everyone around them. And they, and they don't want to um, disrupt that to some degree. I'm not, he's not Floyd Mayweather, obviously he's not bringing in that kind of money because that was a whole different uh, situation, obviously, because Floyd was the biggest star. It it turned out the biggest star in the history of the sport, certainly the biggest earner in the history of the sport. Um, So it, 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 it's not it, look it could be handled better i guess is the short answer here chris i mean it could it could be handled better but i think without uniformity in the regulations i don't know how you go about it because it would then be incumbent upon the state each state right like california could clearly say and this has happened many it happened with mike tyson how many times chris i you know we've been covering boxing a long time back in mm-hmm. the late 90s when mike they they couldn't find a state that would license mike tyson to fight Lennox Lewis. This went on for, for months and months and months. They went to every state until finally they brought the fight to Tennessee because they, yeah, they didn't the choose revenue, Tennessee. Right? They weren't like yeah. giddy about Tennessee. No, that no. was Yeah. But, but my point being, Chris, <laughs> there is precedence for this when a guy, you know, Mike Tyson is a convicted rapist. Now he's 
the narrative on Mike Tyson has changed quite a bit in the last two and a half decades. He's a beloved guy and oh, he's a warm and fuzzy Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is a convicted rapist point blank. So, you know, people have seemed to forgotten about that a little bit, but, but that is, that is the, those are the facts as it relates to Mike Tyson. And he was treated that way. Now, Mike Tyson was a phenomenon unto himself. Gervonta Davis is not in the same stratosphere as Mike Tyson. So it's lower profile. I think maybe Chris, because boxing operates in this niche world uh, where it doesn't generally receive as much mainstream attention as other sports, it doesn't. Right. But Mike Tyson did because mm-hmm. Mike Tyson was a, you know, was a, a generational brand and everyone, you know, one at times revered at times reviled, but, but a, you know, a generational talent. So a generational phenomenon and infamous figure at times, but so this kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I think maybe if more of a stink was made about it, so to speak, uh, by mainstream outlets and, and such, um, you know, maybe more would be done about it. But I, again, I just go back to what I said earlier too, Chris, you do have to let due process play out in some of these cases as well. So then, you know, if, if, if the legal system, particularly in a pandemic where everything was delayed, if it drags out for two or three years, Mm-hmm. Should Javante Davis not be allowed to fight for two or three years when he hasn't been convicted? It's a again a slippery slope, but I, but I get it from both sides. Who on one side might see it as somewhat hypocritical to allow Javante Davis to fight on December fifth and not allow Rolando Romero to fight. I, I think it is hypocritical. I think that if Javante Davis was accused of the very same things that Rolando Romero is now being accused of. I don't think he would be pulled off that December 5th card. I don't. I think he's, um, I mean, look, he's the bank in, in this. I just, you, you might disagree, but I don't, I don't believe that he, at least as quickly, I don't think he would have been pulled as quickly from this because Keith, like Javante has only been accused. You're right. Of the other things, but there's a video out there, man. It's right, on no, camera. No dis- like, no I mean, there's no, there's no ambiguity. You watch that video and it's horrific and yeah. it doesn't get brought up in part because you're right, because boxing doesn't get that mainstream interest that other sports get. If that happened in the NFL, I think Javante Davis would be playing. Right. Right. I mean, no. look at Chris, Chris, look what happened. Yes. Now I'm not equating dragging someone out of a basketball game to literally killing someone with your car, but yeah, the, the Raiders didn't wait but five seconds to release Henry Ruggs the third last night, and yep. rightfully so. Uh, but you're, you know, they're on, they're, you know, it's a, it's a, main, it's different. It's the most, it's the most popular sport in the United States by a long shot, and it obviously receives receives a lot of mainstream attention. But uh, yeah, it's definitely handled differently. I, Chris, I, the one thing I would say just to reiterate what I said before, I think once you bring sexual assault into it, and I'm not advocating striking a woman that's not a sexual assault that's no i'm not trying to split hairs but i think when you get into the sexual assault realm i think it changes things a little bit just from a um in the court of public opinion to some degree you know there are varying degrees of physical assault of course i mean you know we see the things that greg hardy did to women when he was banished thankfully banished from the nfl and such but Mm -hmm. um and where did he go he went, he well, he went to into combat sports. <laughs> right. Into combat sports, right. though, it's yeah. like you know, it's the wild west. Hey, well, Look, we we can like there, there's. I don't think we'll ever kind of be able to explain what the, you know, what is going to happen, what can happen, what should happen. Um, I, I would say this though, if like if there were more women watching boxing, not this wouldn't be happening. Like if there if yeah. the if the target audience was more women than it is men, or at least a higher percentage of women than it is right now, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be having this conversation because there would be uh was, you know boxing is they're all about the bottom line like they're you know they're up selling pay-per-views selling uh subscriptions having people drive ratings to networks and and premium networks uh to this point it's mostly men and because they think they can get away with it um by putting these these type of people on who have done these alleged things uh they're not they're not going to stop so i don't expect much to change Chris, I just want to, as it relates to boxing, I just think, and I'm not defending this premise, but I think part of it is is why boxing is perceived differently than the other sports. Uh, people look at boxing as not just a circus, but also, um, you know, it, it, it's a savage sport where people are literally beating each other, unfortunately, sometimes to death. So I think it's viewed differently than football, bas- yep. you know, basketball. Obviously, you cover for a living too. 
you know, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever, whichever other sports are much more organized because I think the participants have been conditioned in a different way. Uh, and that doesn't mean that they don't run afoul of the law, but I just mean that boxers, you know, look, you don't become a, and I'm not defending their behavior, but I'm just saying that you don't become a boxer typically because you had, you know, scholarship offers to go play other sports or, um, you were on the path to become a doctor or whatever. I mean, you, you're literally f- almost always fighting, literally fighting your way out of poverty, oftentimes with uh, not much direction, uh, you know, coming from the worst circumstances. That doesn't mean that it's okay that they do what they do. I just think it's viewed differently from a societal standpoint. Um, and, and I don't know that that's going to change because one thing that, you know, not that the boxing scene comment section or forum is, is somewhere where you're going to get. So sometimes you do get some constructive discourse, but a, a lot of people on there say, look, I just want to watch the fights. I don't really care what they're doing. Now you have to draw a line somewhere. Right. I mean, I, but some people don't, they're like, mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm going to pay my 80 bucks or I'm going to steal it or however they're consuming the fights. And they don't really care what these guys are doing. Now, again, you know, if someone's running around beating up women and raping women and you don't care, well, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. But I do think that there is a certain segment of the boxing public and the public at large that views it that way. Yeah, I think that's that's true. And I think it can also be said for some of the people in boxing. Remember, Mike Tyson was released from prison. Don King was waiting for him and he was ready to cash in on him as soon as he got out of uh, of jail from serving time. Uh, for rape. All right. Impossible to seamlessly transition uh, from that conversation. But let's talk about the fight we have coming up this weekend between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. Canelo holds three pieces of 168-pound title. Caleb Plant has the last one. There has been some bad blood between these two guys, Keith, where Caleb Plant has dug up the old allegations from three years ago of Canelo Alvarez using performance-enhancing drugs. If we all recall, Canelo, before the second Golovkin fight, tested positive for clenbuterol, a banned substance. He claimed it was in tainted meat. Golovkin went after him pretty good. In Abel Sanchez went after him pretty good in the build-up to that fight. Canelo seemed to take it out on Golovkin in that fight. That was probably one of, if not the best performance that we've seen from Canelo Alvarez, given the caliber of the opponent that was in front of him. Caleb Plant kind of poking that bear again. What do you, uh, let's start there. What do you make of Caleb Plant kind of bringing this stuff back up again, bringing it to the forefront? Do you think he's a true believer in what he's saying or might there be some strategy there to kind of take Canelo out of his game? I think it's a combination of both, Chris. I think maybe he believes that Canelo is a dirty fighter, but also he's trying to piss Canelo off and get him off of his game a little bit. I don't know what he said to Canelo on the stage back in September, but whatever it was, it made Canelo lose his cool. Now Canelo says it's because he called his called him a mother effer, and he took that to mean he was talking about his. Yeah, mother, but don't which... you think? Don't you think he's like I, I watched that Showtime first All Access. I don't think he said anything uh, on that stage besides the usual kind of back and forth. Oh, I think I, I know. I think uh, what yeah. enraged Canelo was the stuff before that when uh, the Oscar Valdez thing happened and Caleb Plant linked mm-hmm. it to Canelo and Eddie Reynoso. I think he was already kind of yeah. at a boiling point before he stepped on that stage which might speak to now I don't think it's going to really matter on Saturday because I, I frankly don't think that Caleb plant is good enough to beat Canelo Alvarez, but, but it might speak to him getting into Canelo's head and making Canelo lose his cool. We were with Canelo and plant yesterday after the grand arrivals, a small group of us got each of them downstairs at MGM grand garden arena. And we, you know, we spoke to them about the, the press conference melee and all that. And, um, Eddie Reynoso and Canelo Alvarez said he's, you know, he's kind of like he's unflappable and he can't get in his head. And I'm like, well, that's not true because you shove the guy with two hands all the way across the stage. Um, And then he, you know, Caleb Plant came back and took like kind of an open-handed swipe at him and it didn't turn out well for Caleb Plant, of course. But um, I'm just thankful that that scrape under his eye, which he says did not really affect him. And he said he didn't miss a single day of sparring because of that. So maybe it looked a little worse than it was, Mm. but I mean, that that was one of those rare uh, press conference deals, Chris, where one of the guys seriously could have gotten hurt to the point where the fight would have had 
had to have been postponed. And yesterday they didn't come anywhere near each other at the grand arrivals. And the, the press conference is a little later today. Don't expect them to come anywhere near each other today because they just don't, maybe a little, you know, uh, maybe a little David. Hey, Derek, you remember that from years ago with the cage oh, in between the them, ta- yeah, flip the table they, and all that. But the last press conferences in way in, they put like a cage yeah. between them. It was so theatrical. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember when they brought Tyson and uh, Lewis into the, they had like an army of people in between them. Like you couldn't even get, you know, they couldn't come near each other and all that. So, yeah, but um, look, it's a lot of it's mind games and Caleb Plant's been through a lot of things in his life, you know, losing a daughter and he's been through some tough stuff and he's a, he's a very strong-minded guy came from Ashland city, Tennessee, which obviously is not a boxing hotbed has been told every step of the way you're not good enough to do this. You're not good enough to do that. And he has disproven people pretty much all along, but this is a, a steep step up in competition. Doesn't even begin to paint an accurate picture, Chris, because you don't go from fighting. Now Uzkategi is his best win, right? Mm-hmm. Hasn't, hasn't exactly aged well, but it was a good win. Since then he has fought Mike Lee, Vincent Feigenboots, and, you know, Caleb Truax, who was once a solid fighter, clearly at the end of his career. That in no way prepares you for what you're about to encounter on Saturday night. And the guy that most people view now as the best fighter pound for pound in the world. Yeah, that's one of my biggest concerns for Plant going into this fight. If he had fought, say, David Benavidez and beaten Benavidez, which no guarantees that would have happened, uh, I'd be more interested in seeing how this fight plays out because Canelo said something at that first press conference. One of the few things he said in English, he was like, you're going to run, run, run. And I think he's right. I think that you're going to see a lot of Caleb Plant fighting off the back foot, trying to jab and move and trying to kind of outmaneuver Canelo for 12 rounds of this fight. I do think he can have some success in the early rounds doing that. I've seen fighters have success against Canelo in the early rounds because Canelo takes something of a strategic approach to these fights. Everything is building towards something big like we kind of saw with that Billy Joe Saunders fight. I just can't see Caleb Plant doing that successfully for 12 rounds. I mean, Sergey Kovalev tried to out-jab Canelo in their fight a couple of years ago. Had some success, but was ultimately knocked out. Billy Joe Saunders tried to move around a little bit, try to be active, had some success, and then was knocked out. I feel like we, I can see kind of a similar path here. Maybe a more destructive one, though, for Caleb Plant, because I don't think, I know, he doesn't have the power of a Sergey Kovalev. And... He's as skilled, I would say. I don't like Billy Joe Saunders. I think he's right on Billy Joe Saunders' level, perhaps, in terms of overall boxing skills. So I guess when I when I think about pass to victory for Caleb Plant, is if he's in the best shape he's ever been in, can go 12 rounds, can move uh, the entirety of that fight, and stick Canelo with that jab over and over again. Other than that, I don't know wh- how he wins this fight. Well, uh, Caleb Plant is a good boxer, Chris. He's a, he's a skillful boxer. He's a very intelligent fighter. Um, I, I agree that he's not going to have the power to keep Canelo off of him or the power to affect Canelo, who has shown nothing short of an iron chin throughout yeah. his rise to superstardom. Um, no, so remember I, Caleb Plant? That, Caleb Plant at the press conference brought up Jose Miguel Cotto from like 09. Like that was that was 12 years ago. Well, man. again, like, try, that's trying to get into Canelo's head and on it. Look, he was he was buzzed against. He was. Jose I was Cotto. there. He that was, was his first. Uh, yeah, that was his yeah, first so. fight in the U.S. But, like, but, I, but I don't think he's been buzzed since then, and he's fought some I don't murderers. Think so either. I mean, he's fought you know obviously Golovkin twice, and I got Danny guys who can punch. You know, James Kirkland, whatever anyone thinks of him as a fighter, obviously mm-hmm. can punch. He's fought a lot of guys who who hit hard, and he hasn't, as far as I can tell, hasn't been affected. And then he fought, you know, a faded version of Kovalev. Like if he, I don't know that he necessarily would have fought the Kovalev who who was, uh, you know, undefeated and knocking everyone out before right. he fought Andre Ward. But, um, but but Kovalev who probably isn't as good of a boxer from a technical standpoint as Caleb Plant. He's good, but he's probably not as good technically sound as Caleb Plant. Kovalev had a lot of success in that fight. You know, he was, mm-hmm. he was down 96, 94 on two cards. And on one of the cards, it was even going into the 11th round when he got knocked out. 
Uh, so he, so people tend to, I think sometimes people tend to get lose sight of, you know, that, that Canelo's not just going out there, going out there and but he's excellent, you know, top, top of the top, top, top of the sport for sure. But he's not blowing everyone out. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't keep, I'll of, take it a step. I'll take it a step further. I don't, he doesn't blow really anybody out, at least no. not at the highest level. I mean, Golovkin fights both razor thin. I think I had it 96, 94 at the time of the stoppage too for, against Kovalev, Daniel Jacobs was a relatively close fight. I think it was like 116, 112, yeah. uh, largely 115, 113 uh, kind of deal. And I, I, admittedly, I had Saunders having more success than the judges did, but Saunders for at least two or three of those rounds was finding a home for some of his punches. So yeah, like th- there's a path for, for Plant to, you know, keep it close, but at some point Canelo's going to track him down and nothing that I've seen from Plant up until this point can convince me he can take that kind of power, whether it's body shots, head shots. Canelo can knock you out in a variety of different ways. You know, Canelo is such a calculated, methodical type of fighter. He's Like you said, Chris, he's going to take a few rounds to figure out what Caleb Plant is doing. And I expect Caleb Plant to have some success in the fight because he'll be fresh and he'll be ready. Uh, you know, he'll be at, at his peak in, in terms of uh, – a physical state in the beginning of the fight. And I think he'll do well in the first four or five rounds, you know, maybe win a couple of rounds, but, uh, and it'll be a competitive fight going toward the midway part of the fight. But then I think Canelo will start to break him down. He'll, he'll beat him up to the body, I think. And, um, and, and I would be surprised if he didn't stop him at some point. I, I just don't think that Caleb plant will be able to keep him off of him. Now, Caleb plant is one of the, I mean, a lot of these guys are, are extremely confident and you have to be, in some ways, almost delusional as to how unstoppable, unbeatable you are, invincible you are to get to the top level. But Caleb Plant takes even that to another level because <laughs> the kid, his self belief, and, and good for him. I mean, he's like, hey, hey, f you guys. Like, you know, like I, 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 you've been telling me all along, not me personally, but everyone's been telling me every step of the way that I'm not good enough. But here I am, about to make you know almost ten million dollars to fight Canelo Alvarez and have an opportunity to become the, the first undisputed super middleweight champion in boxing history. So good for him. I mean, I, I you know, it, it, that's the way he goes about it. And he, you know, he, again, creating imaginary enemies like all these fighters do and stuff, which is fine. Yeah. It's all part of it. Um, but, but ultimately I just think Canelo is, is too good, too strong and will win this fight by a, by a stoppage and sometime in the second half of the fight. And the bottom line is Chris, look, the, the judging panel that they've selected for this fight is, you know, it's, the usual suspects and I don't mean they're suspect in any way, but Steve Weisfeld, one of the best judges in boxing, a Jersey guy, uh, Dave mm-hmm. Moretti, who's an older judge, but usually very good. And Patricia Morris Jarman, who, who had it wrong on Saturday night with uh, Jamal James and Butayev. She had Jamal James ahead by one point because there was a point deduction. The other two judges had uh, Butayev ahead of Jamal James going into the ninth round when it was stopped by three points apiece. So she did get it wrong on Saturday night, but overall has been a pretty consistent judge the last couple of years. Um, but having said that, if you beat, if let's just say that Caleb Plant can make an argument for going the distance and outboxing Canelo Alvarez and winning seven rounds, there's no evidence over from what's happened over the past 10 years or so that he will get the decision. I'm not claiming it's, who knows why, right? Mm. I know Steve Weisfeld really well. Steve Weisfeld is not corrupt. I promise no. you that. Best in the um, business. Right. The, the, so that's, you know, but is it Canelo's fans and, you know, not whatever it is, Canelo Alvarez, maybe more so than any fighter that we've seen in recent history, gets the benefit of the doubt on the scorecards over and over and over and over and over. So if this fight goes the distance and it winds up being a close fight and Caleb Plant proves all of us wrong and does the things that he says he's capable of doing, will he get the decision anyway? There's no evidence that he will. I would say this as someone that's scored Canelo's last six fights for for television. One thing I've learned about Canelo, and I'm not like a Canelo stan here. Like I, I, It didn't took a lot of flack for having Canelo down to Saunders in that fight last May. He is one of Keith, the easiest fighters I've ever covered to score. Is his scoring punches are obvious. They're like he is a clean puncher. And when you have a guy like that in front of you, and you have a guy clean body shot, clean head shot, decent jab, and he's so good defensively that he's moving his head a lot. He's parrying 
a lot of these punches. That was Kovalev's biggest problem. Like, Kovalev threw, like, over, I think over a thousand jabs. That was a credit to Buddy McGirt for putting Kovalev in, in that type of position. But Canelo just parries them away. He moves his head. So you have a clean puncher on one side and a guy who's throwing a lot of punches or more punches, but a lot of them are being deflected on the other. It just makes it a little bit easier to score rounds for Canelo. That's, that's just my observation from the last five or six fights uh, scoring his. I, w- I would say, I mean, good on Caleb Plant for, he's a smart businessman, man. Like he, you know, he took a lot of heat for kind of his choice of opponents recently. The Mike Lee, Feigen Boots, most recently Truax, that kind of holding on to that belt uh, for several months until Canelo got through his fight with Saunders. But he's going to cash a $10 million check at the end of this fight. So he's smarter than all of us in that respect. So bravo to him. Now, Keith, I don't want to look past Caleb Plant, but I, I'm fascinated to be in that MGM Grand ballroom after the fight is over. Let's say Canelo wins one way or the other. Like, I'm envisioning, like, Jamal Charlo standing in a corner calling out Canelo Alvarez. I'm envisioning Eddie Hearn, perhaps with Dimitri Bivol, just happened to be there beside him, yelling or, or telling reporters that it's going to be Canelo Bivol early next year. Uh, I'm still fixated on a third fight with Gennady Golovkin. So w- what do you think the pathway for Canelo is after this fight? I know he's not talking too much about it, but you, depending on who you talk to, they'll tell you that this is the right way for Canelo Alvarez to go. I think some of it will depend, Chris, on how well this fight does on pay-per-view. It's $80. Caleb Plant is, well, if you know, looking at the odds, uh, Canelo is at least a 9-to-1 favorite, depending on which sports book you're going to, 12-to-1 uh, in some cases. Um, it's not really viewed as a competitive fight. It's 80 bucks. It's amid a run here where we've had Wilder Fury, uh, now this, um, Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter, which I think is the fight people are most looking forward to, and then Gervonta. There's a bunch of – my point is there's a bunch of pay-per-view fights in a relatively short span of time. And matched uh, up with UFC 268 on the same night. Right. Of course. So there's a lot of competition in, in, uh, from other sports from a, within its own sport. Um, so I think it'll depend on how well it does on pay-per-view. And I, I'm not really 100% sure what is a realistic expectation of this because Canelo, while his last uh, three fights, I think it was, were, were offered on traditional pay-per-view. They were obviously on zone. You were sitting ring. You're well aware of that, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they were offered on traditional pay-per-view platforms, and there are still people who don't either want to figure out how to use the zone or don't can't figure it out or whatever, and decided to pay sixty-five dollars or seventy dollars instead of paying ten or twenty or whatever. Um, so I think what I'm saying is I think people will buy it, and they and while for some reason people were complaining that the fight was not being advertised on CBS a month and a half ago, I don't really know how much sense that makes because it's so far <laughs> away from the fight, but. I was watching football in the sports book on at the Mirage on, you know, working and watching the games and stuff. And that fight was on the screen, you know, every CBS game, I think there were on five CBS games simultaneously with the Fox games and everything. And that commercial was on every five seconds. So, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 million people watch those games um, on a weekly basis. Uh, so, so people are aware of it, I guess is what I'm saying. So let's just say, you know, if they break even, it would it would give them uh, you know uh, confidence to go forward with Canelo again. But he he's being paid enormous sums of monies for these fights, and I don't know that there's real evidence that it's worthwhile. I mean, because from the zone perspective, of course, more people are watching the Canelo fights uh, than the other fights, of course. But when you're paying someone you know thirty five forty million dollars, I mean, you have to you know some of it is uh is just good business even if you're taking somewhat of a loss because you're you're in business with the biggest star in boxing that's a big part of it of course it's you can't lose sight of that so yeah you might take a little loss in this case but you're paying this guy almost 40 million bucks and he's a 12 to 1 favorite in the fight and if it doesn't turn out to be all that competitive and you don't do the type of pay-per-view business that you want to do well then you'd have to consider what you would want to pay him to fight David Benavidez or Jamal Charlo, which are the two obvious PBC fighters that Al Heyman would want him to fight. The other side of it is, does Canelo Alvarez view uh, Dimitri Bivol, who's very good, 
and is of course a light heavyweight, which would require him to move up seven. He's already succeeded in the light heavyweight division, but does he look at Dimitri Bivol, who did not look great in his last fight against Craig Richards? I think we could all agree on that, mm. uh, but is a very good boxer. He's not better be in terms of power, but he's a very good boxer. Uh, but, um, you know, he could go win another light heavyweight title and maybe remain at light heavyweight. Or does he look at it like, I'm tired of hearing that I don't want to fight Jamal Charlo for whatever reason. I'm going to go try to beat him up and then I'll fight David Benavidez. It depends on what Canelo wants to do ultimately. But it also, I think, re- depends on whether the juice was worth the squeeze, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, that's what it always comes down to, right? I mean, as far as Canelo on zone and what they get out of it, I don't understand that. Yeah, you know, I don't understand the inner workings of that business whatsoever. All I can say is that on the evening of the evening of the fight of Canelo and Saunders after the fight, in that hotel there were a lot of very happy zone executives, and they get those numbers in real time. Like they know what kind of numbers they're looking for, and my understanding is that he zoomed well past them. Uh, so they were, uh, they got, they felt they got their bang for their buck. Now they're in a very different business model than the pay-per-view business model, which of course is reliant on X number of buys, how they're bought digitally versus the cable model. There's a lot of um, ins and outs there. So yeah, we'll see what kind of number it does um, given the opponent, given the competition, given the total uh, pay-per-view landscape uh, with Canelo Alvarez. As far as, What's next, Keith? And maybe I'm just clinging to fading hope, but I just I just feel like May of 2022 is like the last stand for Canelo Golovkin. Like, it just is. Like, Golovkin's going to face Murata in December. Unless Golovkin is totally washed, he's probably going to stop Murata. He's on, I think he's on a different level than Murata. Good fighter, um, tall fighter, so won't be easy, but I think Golovkin still stops him. If he does... He will have two pieces of the middleweight title. That doesn't mean anything to Canelo Alvarez, but it gives Golovkin a little bit of a pop. Golovkin could go up to 168 and fight Canelo for the undisputed super middleweight championship. Like, that that has some buzz to me. That has some cachet. And whatever you want to say about Golovkin's chances right now at nearly 40 years old, he's still the last guy to really threaten Canelo. I mean, I scored that last, the second fight for Golovkin. I got 115-113 for Golovkin, but I had no problem with the way it was scored. When I, there were some very close rounds in that fight. I'm, I, I want to see it, and I feel like if we don't see it in May, for whatever reason, we're not going to see it ever again. So, I, I, look, I, there's a lot to it, but if you're going to line those three guys up, Charlo, Bevel, Golovkin, to me, it's a no-brainer. Give me Gennady Golovkin part three. I think it really depends, Chris, on frankly, if Canelo Alvarez feels like throwing Gennady Golovkin a bone, that's really yeah, what always has, to, right? Always has depending um, on that. Yeah. And he hates him. So <laughs> I don't know that he will. I, I think, you know, he doesn't say it much and I, and he hasn't really been asked about it all that much recently because people are focused on other fights. I think he's enjoying to some extent what's happened to Gennady Golovkin since their second fight. He's I been marginalized, right. right? He's, you know, he's, he's, you know, the, the Murata fight is a big fight in Japan. I don't think anyone really cares about it in the U S all that much, but, um, but he, I think he's getting off to some degree on watching Gennady Golovkin beg a little bit because, because Golovkin knows that the, now Golovkin's making a lot of money. I don't mean to demean what, he, you know, he's right. being well compensated, but he wants that shot to avenge his loss, his only loss to Canelo Alvarez and Canelo has all the leverage now. And I think, um, I think he's just going to continue, you know, just for all intents and purposes to tell, telling Gennady Golovkin to F off because he doesn't need Gennady Golovkin. He's making, dude, he's making four, almost $40 million to fight Caleb plant on, on Mm. site. I mean, look, he's, he's on a, he's on a level in the U S that no other boxer can ascend to at this point. And it's not even close. Um, so I think he's going to continue just making Gennady Golovkin wait. He'll in, he'll revel in it from afar, and then he'll go fight other guys. I mean, and there is still some interest in the rivalry, and I think people, some people would like to think that Gennady Golovkin has a chance. I think Canelo's It's, too- it's mainstream interest, though, Keith. That, yeah. That's where I kind of come back to. Like, we know that there's a the gap has increased between Golovkin and Canelo. Canelo is at the top of the boxing food chain. Golovkin, uh, age whatever the Derevchenko fight he's not the same fighter he was back in 2017 or 2018 but i'm telling you 
you go to an NBA game, an NFL game, and if you talk about potential fights can be made in boxing, I still hear about Canelo and Golovkin. Yeah. I hear, are they going to fight again? It's just like people are not as in the weeds as we are. Like, And, and those are the people that boxing needs to tap into. They're going to be, a, there's a section of boxing fans that whoever Canelo fights, they're going to buy his pay-per-view because they're fans right. of Canelo. They're fans of boxing. It's the casual fans, the ones that make up 20, 25, 30% of potential pay-per-view buys, of potential subscriptions, whatever it may be. Those are the ones you've got to grab. And to them, they're probably not going to buy a Canelo fight unless it's against Gennady Golovkin or somebody that is on the level of Golovkin recognition-wise. And as I sit here, I don't know that there is one. Like, you know, they, they don't... Charlo's got a bit of a name. Bevo has no name. Uh, it's I think it's just... it's In terms of the biggest amount of revenue, it's kind of Golovkin or bust. The other thing as it relates to him fighting Golovkin again, Chris, is how much money will Canelo Alvarez want to fight yeah. To fight, right? Because again, he's 50? making almost $40 million to fight Caleb Plant. So, what does he want? 60? At a certain point, it's just entirely too much money to pay someone because you're not mm-hmm. going to get any real return on your investment. And I don't think that it's worth it at this point for for DAZN to say, oh, we have Canelo fighting. That was the fight that the entire DAZN business model was based on once upon a time, but mm-hmm. and it never happened. So maybe, you know, it's the they want to do it just to achieve what their goal was once upon a time. But not at the expense of, right? I mean, they're being much more uh, uh, conscientious of spending their money and everything. You know, so, so they're not going to, I mean, if he says, I want $60 million to fight Gennady Golovkin, and then what is Golovkin? And then Golovkin's going to come back and say, oh, I want, you know, blah, blah, blah. 20. Uh, he'll want, well, like, yeah, he'll want at least a third a, of that. Yeah. yeah, at a certain point, 30. You know, at a certain point, it's just not worth it. So yeah. for a fight that has um, is not as big as it would have been two years ago or, you know, even last year, probably. Do you think it can, though, like, Again, Murata is not a known commodity in the U.S., but if Golovkin goes out and beats him down in that fight, like it, it just it'll rekindle a little bit. Like it'll just it'll. Uh, it'll, it'll have, I know, I know. I don't know, Chris. Chris, I mean, he's look. He Murata has lost to Has yeah. Hassan and Dam. He's lost yeah, to Rob, Rob Brandt, Brandt. Yeah. and he and he came back to avenge both of those losses. But he just is what he is. I mean, he has all right. So he has a middleweight title, and he's been elevated to super champion who cares really right i mean and plus they're gonna fight at 168 anyway canelo has repeatedly said under no circumstances am i going which they should like which they like if it's for the undisputed super middleweight championship that gives it a little bit more sizzle i think yeah it's uh but i guess to me keith it's like if it doesn't happen now like who's golovkin gonna fight i am so i'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole we don't have enough time i'm so not here for jamal charlo calling out golovkin not when He's not going to fight again this year, it doesn't seem like, and I'm headed to fucking Manchester to see Demetrius Andrade and Jay Quigley. Like, I mean, like, until those two get in the ring, I don't want to hear about them fighting anybody else. Like, I don't. I don't. I want to see them fight uh, each other. So, like, what does Golovkin do if he wins? Like, where's the big money fight out there for him if he beats Murata? I don't know where he goes, and I don't know what the bigger fight is for Canelo other than a third fight with Golovkin because Bevo would give him a light heavyweight title. Charlo, I don't know what it would give him. He was not going back to middleweight, so he doesn't care about that belt. Um, I, I just, to me, Golovkin is is the guy for now. Yeah, it's the biggest fight. Commercially, it's the biggest fight. I don't think there's any question about that. But again, it just relates to how much money both fighters would want and whether it would be worthwhile for DAZN to pay that uh, to, to finally have yeah. that fight come together. Yeah, I'm this. I just previewed my post uh, post fight column. Like, have the first graph cleared for ending of the fight. Oh, don't, and don't, don't don't even don't even get on the flight. Just right, have it ready to go. You know, I love I love the Vegas. I'll spread up, out. Uh, I'll spread out like usual. You know, I'll take I, up your. I, oh, that, see, that's why you. We're always <laughs> seated next to each other, and uh, always a little 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 elbow room there all, for always, you. Always Thank angling you. for something. You know what I mean. <laughs> Keith, always good to talk to you, man. I will see you in Vegas. I will see you at Canelo versus Plant. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're both wrong and we get a incredibly competitive fight. That's what we kind of all want uh, hey, anyway. Hey, look, you know, that's why they fight the fights, as they say. Right, Chris? So, good to talk to you, man. All right, same here, man. Have safe travels. When we come back, my conversation with Caleb Plant. All right, so with big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights, because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from, 
There are parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. Now, I'm going to give you an absolute lock. Canelo Alvarez, KO, Caleb Plant. Canelo, I don't think, has been this focused on stopping an opponent since he fought Gennady Golovkin. He wasn't able to stop Golovkin in their rematch. I think he will stop Caleb Plant in this one, probably in the eighth or ninth round. Offers like this are just one of the many reasons I love betting on FanDuel. It is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, and there are fast payouts. The app, so easy to use. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. With FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code BOXING. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, so Caleb, just talk to me about your confidence level right now, both in yourself, your preparation, your game plan. Where would you say it's at? I mean, it's on 10. I'm feeling confident. Um, uh Camp's going great. Sparring's going great. Everything's been right on point. And, um, you know, now we're just looking to to finish it up. Have you ever felt the camp didn't go great? Um, no, every camp thus far in my boxing career has always been been uh, on point. Maybe um, one of my early fights, it was off. But other than that, it was early on in my career. Everything's been I just feel like every fighter's like, camp went great like I'm waiting for the fighter to be like this camp sucked and uh um, I don't know what's gonna happen in this fight no no I've had I've had one off camp but it was early in my career and um you know just a lot of things you know multiple things that transpired but um Mm -hmm. this camp has been great it's been phenomenal so you've been very confident throughout this from the build-up to making of the fight to the press conference to here we sit now um I've had a chance in the last couple of years to to call the last six Canelo fights I can I've I can tell you from being in those fighter meetings, every single one of those opponents has expressed confidence. I think Billy Joe Saunders might have been the most confident that I've come up against as far as Canelo opponents go. What is it that you believe you can do differently that these other fighters cannot? Uh, I think I bring a certain skill set that, you know, some of these other guys weren't able to bring to the table. You know, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, though, he was a crafty fighter. He he had skills, but... um. One thing that I know for a fact that we can all agree on is my discipline and my dedication to the sport that not just in this camp, because you can't just do it for the one big fight, but 
throughout my whole career and throughout my whole life, dedicating myself to my craft and um, to the sport. And um, when you do it, when you haven't been doing it and then you decide to do it for the one big fight, it doesn't mean it's going to work out in your favor. But when, I, when you've been true to your craft and um, disciplined and dedicated your whole life, I mean, that's going to bring, you know, a different level of confidence. So, Did you think Billy Joe Saunders did things well against Canelo? Um, I feel like he looked a little jittery in the beginning, but he started to settle in and started finding his um, rhythm and timing. And then, you know, he ran into a shot that, that happens in boxing. Um, it can happen to anybody. Um, but, you know, he seemed like he started to find some uh, some success. Do, you mentioned the jitters, and I think you're right. Um, Billy Joe Saunders had 70-plus thousand at AT&T. The crowd at MGM will be smaller, but it'll be just as intense in that moment. Is there any way to for you to prepare for something like that? Um, well, you know, I think this will be the biggest crowd that I've fought in front of, but I've fought in – some pretty rowdy crowds before and um you know but I, I enjoy that I like that some fighters they're not going to do as good in front of in that moment and when you know you haven't done everything right up until that moment sometimes it can have an effect on you um but again some fighters perform best when it's you know not as much going on and some fighters perform best you know when when everybody's booing or cheering or whatever the situation may be and I feel like I've always been a fighter who steps up to the plate and performs best when um you know, the lights turn on, so. Do you like it better if the crowd is for you or against you? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably against me. I like that. I, th I think you're going to have that <laughs> on, this, yeah, yeah. You know, on this coming fight. Like, wh why, why against you? Why do you say that? Because, you know, like I said at the press conference, you know, the only thing better than proving someone right is proving somebody wrong. And, um, you know, when you got, you know, thousands of people who don't expect you to do this or to do that. And then you go out there and you prove them wrong. I mean, it's a different type of feeling. So when you look at Canelo on film, what do you see? Um, you know, Canelo does a lot of things good. He, he's got a lot of skills, a lot of ring IQ and um, he's a great boxer. So, uh, you know, that's what it is. He's become something of, of a pressure fighter over the last three years, at least more of a pressure fighter than, than what I saw maybe at 154 or early in his career. Uh, how did, like, is pressure something that you feel comfortable kind of dealing with? And are you expecting that from him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm able to do a lot of things in the boxing ring, whether it's fight off my front foot, fight off my back foot, you know, pick shots off, roll shots off, you know, pot shot, put combinations together. Um you know, I feel like I'm a pretty well, well-rounded fighter. And um, so, you know, whatever the situation calls for, I feel like I have the, you know, the tools in my belt to uh, bring it out. When I was watching that first episode of All Access, it, it was pretty clear that it, it was Canelo who not only instigated the physicality with you, but came into that moment wanting to be physical. How surprised were you by the tax he took? I mean, I wasn't really surprised. I don't really... You know, I didn't have anything in mind leading up to it, but I mean, it's really not a big deal. I mean, by no means was that the first scuffle that's happened in boxing or at a press conference, and by no means will it be the be the last um, scuffle that happens in boxing. So I've been in worse scuffles than that. Um, it's just, it is what it is. Did you know in the in the weeks leading up to that? and especially in the aftermath of the Oscar Valdez positive test, you had said things about Canelo, about the, uh, Eddie Reynoso, that camp there. Um, did you anticipate kind of that lingering with him going into that press conference? I'm sure it did. You know, I'm sure that's a big part of why, you know, he felt like doing whatever, but, you know, it is what it is. I didn't say anything but facts. I didn't think, say anything that, you know, millions of other people are thinking, but, you know, a lot of other people are scared to talk about it, scared to bring it up. You know, they say things like allegations and, you know, shit like that. But it's it's not an allegation. It's a fact. He Either you test positive or you test negative. And uh, he tested positive. He was suspended. And, um, you know, there's no room for stuff like that in our sport. So what do you think should happen to fighters that test positive? I mean, it's hard to just sit here and say, like, oh, this should happen. That should happen. You know, there's people in place for that. And, um but again, all I can say is that there's no room for stuff like that in our sport. You know, 
in other sports, you may run faster, jump higher or this and that. But, you know, in a physical combat sport, I mean, I think it goes without saying that's it's a different level. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it feels like, unfortunately, it's a question of when, not if, something tragic happens in the ring and the person who delivers the punch tests positive for a banned substance. Then it becomes national news, mainstream news, Absolutely. when it probably should be mainstream news right now. Like We Absolutely. should be more more determined about it now. And, you know, so much media is just, they're just scared. They keep calling it allegations because they know that if it, where it gets back to them, then they won't get any more interviews. And they're not, you know, Canelo's not going to want to do an interview with them. And then they ain't going to get views. And then, you know, YouTube cuts them a check for views. So they don't want to mess that up. And, but the way to get that out of our sport is just to call it what it is, you know, call a spade a spade. And, um, you know, I feel like that just calling it what it is and sticking, putting your foot down, you know, that's what's going to deter people from wanting to do that because there's going to be greater repercussions. But if, you know, people sweep it under the rug and, you know, just allegation this, allegation that, I mean, we're just letting it slide. I guess the question is, and, you know, I kind of asked this a second ago, but like, you know, Canelo got suspended six months for that positive test, which really just punted the Golovkin fight down the road about three months. I mean, in your mind, should there have been more done in the aftermath of that positive test? I mean, you know, I don't I don't care to even say or, you know, I don't even know. Again, there's people in place for that. And, um, you know, all I can worry about is what I do. So, you know, he wants to say I'm scared and, you know, this and that, but I've never tested positive for anything. Tested positive for something that stems from fear. That stems from insecurity. Scared that they won't make weight. Scared that their conditioning won't be right. Scared that their strength or their power won't be right. You know, that's why different fighters or just different athletes in general, they do stuff like that. So, you know, I've never felt like I needed to do that to get myself to this position. And um, so. Do you believe Canelo is a cheater? I believe that he tested positive for a banned substance and therefore that puts you in the cheater category. You know, you're right about, yeah, I wouldn't say anyone would say you're scared. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this show or uh, know boxing at all, know your backstory, the personal tragedy that you've gone through in your life. I'm wondering the, the things you've gone through outside the ring, how have that, has that influenced who you are inside the ring? Um, you know, my head has played a big part. And, uh, you know, that's what makes any great champion, you know, in any sport or just in life, you know, the things that you go through, um, that's what prepares you and turns you into the man or the woman that you become. So, I mean, those things of, you know, turn me into the man that I am, some for better, some for worse. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the bell still got a ring and, you know, we got to let these do the talking. So, you know, you've said that, you know, everyone is betting against you. I mean, and you're right. I mean, the, the Vegas odds are what they are. I'd be surprised if many, if any people pick you on fight. And I think one of the, the questions, Caleb, that I've had coming in is the, the jump in level from some of your previous fights to Canelo. Do you look at that as being an issue? Going from uh, Ustakagi, which was your best win, uh, your last fight against Caleb Truax, to a fighter the level of Canelo. Do you see that jump as being an issue? Um, I do not. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here right now taking this fight. So obviously, I don't think that um, experience is a factor in a fight, but it's only one factor. And there's a lot of factors to win in a fight. Like I said, experience is only one of them. So there's a lot of other factors that I hold over him. And um, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who don't think that I can. But there's a lot of people who think I can a lot of experienced boxing coaches who um, you know, know me, they know what I'm capable of and is not really looking at it from an emotional standpoint, but from an objective standpoint. And, um, you know, there's a lot of seasoned coaches out there who know that, um, you know, know what a lot of other people don't. So you're saying that you, you believe you have an edge over him in some areas. What areas would you say you have the edge? Um, November 6th, you will find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll leave it we'll leave it at that. Caleb, it's good to talk to you, man. November 6th is going to be quite the scene on uh, Showtime pay-per-view. Good luck to you, man, and I'll, I'll see you out in Vegas. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Caleb Plant and Keith Idek for joining the show. As always, best way to support this podcast, subscribe, rate, review everywhere and anywhere you download podcasts. And we'll see you next week. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.